again, everybody. God bless you. Um, you can take notes, I guess, if you wish. I've also sent PDFs, which may be available at the end of the session. So if you miss anything, don't panic about that. I'll give you full notes and full scriptures, etc., in PDF form later. The title of these two sessions is A Life of Faith and Prayer. Same title for both sessions. And we're looking at a practical and spiritual application of those two things, faith and prayer. As you enter the, any bank or post office in the UK, you will see a poster on the wall. And it's normally about A3 size, and it has a representation of a fake £20 note, a fake £50 note. So as soon as you walk in, before they give you the real stuff, before they hand over the genuine article, they want you to know what the fake one looks like. And I like that <laughs> because it's a good example, a good parallel with faith. And in Scripture, we see God behave, you know, pretty much the same way. There's a lot of fake faith in the world. A lot of bad people putting their faith in the wrong things. You remember Moses. Moses had faith in God, but he was surrounded by people with wicked faith, the wizards, remember? Moses was representing God and seeking to glorify God. But alongside him, in his time, there were people who had faith in all manner of wrong things. And so it is today. It's exactly the same. Here we are as a group of people who have faith in God, but we find ourselves surrounded by a society with faith in all manner of things. Sometimes that negative or evil faith can be very powerful. And Scripture warns us about this. You know, in London, I live in London at the moment, <laughs> not for much longer, you can pay £20 and you can go in central London to a display theatre, and the monks levitate. They come in every year. You pay 20 quid, you go in and sit down, and these guys have got faith, not faith in God. Not faith in God. But they're still exercising or becoming channels of faith. And people see that, you know. It was the same with Moses. So we need to be initially, just like you walk in the bank, and you see the fake stuff, we need to know what the fake stuff is so that we can avoid it, so that we can purify our faith, all the more so in the last days. In the book of Revelation, remember the book of Revelation is unique in the Bible. It's a dictated book directly from Jesus to John. The book of Revelation, it says this, Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two hand, heads like a... Uh, sorry, it had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf, and it made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, beast whose fatal wound had been healed. Listen, and it performed great signs. It performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven in view of all the people. And because of the signs it was given, the people, it, it deceived many people. So when I see these things, it just really makes me passionate 
to display that we've got faith in God. This scripture tells me that particularly in the last days, there will be like manifestations in the world. And I hope and pray that we can be channels of the manifestations of God's glory. So just by way of introduction, we're talking about a life of faith and prayer. So let me get one thing really clear. We're talking about faith in God. That's what we're talking about. No other faith, faith in God. That's it. Mark's gospel. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning as they went along, they saw a fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Listen to the words of Jesus. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And truly, I tell you, anyone who has faith in God can say to this mountain, move, and it will be done for them. So introductory point this morning, number one. We're believers. We believe in God and his word. And what we're talking about today is faith in God. Introductory point number two this morning. Faith is God's medium. I can't change that. I can't alter that. Instead, I need to adapt into that. I need to adopt that and change anything that's anti-faith or works at counter-faith within me. Faith is God's MO, his modus operandi. It's his mechanism through which he releases his own power. Faith is the currency of heaven and of earth. So I need that currency. I need to make those exchanges. God releases his word in faith. The very universe that we see was created by God's word through faith. Uni means one. Verse means word. Uni, verse. One word. Genesis. God spoke. Look at the power of God released in faith through his word, that the whole universe was made through God's word in faith. Praise God. Now, some people will still have an objection. Some people will say, okay, okay, yes, but I don't think that I've got any faith, Pastor. I don't feel like I've got faith. I understand that, and I think Jesus understands that. Jesus, however, I think if you're a believer this morning, if you're saved... I think he said, yeah, I think you do have faith. <laughs> One day Jesus said to them, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, and I think he's being a little bit ironic, tongue-in-cheek here. I think Jesus is, is inferring you do have faith if you're saved. You do have faith, but maybe you don't recognize it. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, I believe he's inferring that you do have it. Remember Moses when Moses had the little stick in his hand. But Moses didn't recognize it. He didn't appreciate it. And he's standing there thinking, God, I've got nothing. I can't do it. And God speaks to him and said, no, 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 no. What's that you've got in your hand, Moses, right? In the same way, that's in the Old Testament. But in the same way, Jesus here is saying to you, you have faith. You've got faith, guys. You've got faith if you're saved. Oh, yes, you do. Romans chapter 12, for I say through the grace given to me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man 
and woman, the measure of faith. So every one of us, when we got saved, that's Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. And Paul is showing me that every person who is saved has received faith. Praise God. I've got faith. You've got faith. Now, it's my personal opinion. (laughs) You may disagree with me, but it's my personal opinion that today I've got little faith. Today, I also have great faith. And today, I also have perfect faith. It's my opinion that I've actually got all three at the same time. Matthew 8, verse 26, O ye of little faith, Jesus said. Well, the truth is, guys, there's some things I have very little faith for. (laughs) Are you with me? There's probably some things that you don't have much faith for. I can think of many things that I think, oh, I don't know about this, and I don't, I've got little faith in some areas. But I can think of other things. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, no greater faith have I seen in all Israel, Jesus said to the centurion. I can think of other things in my life where I've got great faith. I believe, I'm believing, I'm calling the church to pray with me. So I find that I've got Little faith and great faith at the same time. But I've also got perfect faith. Hebrews chapter 12, looking on to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter. Hallelujah. The perfecter of my faith. So, like for example, there are things currently that I don't care what anybody says, I believe. Right? I think you will all have something like that. Something that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. And I don't care what the circumstances say. I don't care what people say. I believe. That's perfect faith working in me. Guys, today, you probably have little faith in some things. That's okay. Grow your faith. You simultaneously can have great faith in other things. But thank God, we can have perfect faith in other things. I accept that. And I seek to grow my faith. Objection number two. Some people will say, okay, okay, okay. I'm saved and I have faith in God. But I don't have faith for anything else. Just for salvation. Now here is a sad truth. Many believers only have faith for salvation. Many believers, that's it. They receive what Paul says in Romans. They receive the measure of faith. And it kind of stops there. And they never exercise their faith beyond that. That's a sad thing, but it's a true thing. I I worked in a hospital for five years for people who were severely severely handicapped. Some of these people had never stood on their feet. Never. They had never picked up a pen. They'd never picked up a cup. They were, you know, very, very disabled. (coughs) Excuse me. I don't know if you've ever seen a human body of someone who has never exercised, but you would not believe how fragile and how tiny the arms are. The arms of such a person can be incredibly small. So we had to wrap them in blankets, lift them and put them in the bath, on the because bl- you, you, you can't pick them, you'll break their arm. 
Their bones have never been used. Their muscles have never been exercised. And that's the result. Terrible weakness. And so it is with faith that never gets used. I have faith for salvation, but I don't use it for anything else. We'll come back to that in a moment. Some people will argue, well, you know, I have faith for salvation. That's all I need. That's all I need, Pastor Mike. I don't need anything else. I don't need, I'm saved. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, No, no, I don't, I profoundly disagree with that. You need faith for many, many things in your life. Many things. Faith is all pervasive. It, It can bless every aspect of your life if you will let it in, if you will walk in faith. As Pastor was sharing a moment ago, yes, I've been in ministry a long time, 30 years or more now, 34, something like that. Not all easy. I've never lost faith in my salvation. I've always believed I'm saved. Thank God for that. However, there have been times when I've lost faith in me, in myself. Faith is not just about salvation. Sometimes you lose faith. I lo- when I was ministering in Liverpool, I will never forget this. This is a testimony. When I was ministering in Liverpool, I don't know what happened to me, but it was a time in my life when I, I was very low, personally. I was low. I didn't have confidence anymore. I knew God loved me, but I didn't feel called into the ministry. And I began to sink down in my, my, my own belief in my calling in God and all that, you know. It was a very dark moment. And one day, I went out. It was a beautiful day, blazing sunshine. And Liverpool city centre was packed with people. But I was incredibly sad. I, I was thinking in my head, Maybe I should just resign. Just resign. Just be a Christian. Just go and sit down. Maybe that's what God wants me to do. And I was getting more and more sad. And I started to cry (laughs) on the busy street called Bowl Street in Liverpool. It was packed with people. I was embarrassed because people see me crying. So I looked for an escape route down a little lane. And what happened next was a booming voice. This is what, it was like a movie. A booming voice said, Mike McKeever! Hello? (laughs) Mike McKeever! And I stopped. That's that's, that's me. That's me. That's definitely someone calling my name. And this guy pushes through the crowd and comes over and he says, I know you. Do you remember me? And I thought, no, sorry, I don't know you. He said, you preached in the homeless center. Remember? The homeless? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Years ago, I preached in a homeless. Yeah. And I was there that night. I said, great. And he said, but I've got something to tell you. Remember the guy with the CDs? And I remembered vaguely. We had a product stall. And I had a set of CDs on spiritual warfare. It was 35 CDs, cost about 15 pounds. And on the product stall at the back. And the service finished. (coughs) And this homeless guy, who was this guy's brother, this homeless guy picked up a box of CDs worth 15 quid. And he said, I haven't got any money, but I want this, I'm taking this. 
and whoever the person on the product stall said, you can't have it. <laughs> so someone came up to me and they said, hey, Pastor Mike, there's a homeless guy there. He wants the CDs. He's living on the street and he doesn't have a CD player. So we told him he can't have it. <laughs> so I said, give it to him for heaven's sake. Just give it to him. He, he's, he's sleeping on this. I don't care if he's sleeping on the street. Give him the box if he wants. Just give it to him. What does it matter? Give it to him. So they gave it to him. And this is his brother. So his brother said, do you remember you gave him the CDs for nothing? I said, yeah, 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 I remember. He said, the next day, he's banging at my door. And he said, I want to listen to this. Let me in, because I would never let him in my house. He's drug addict. You know, I want to listen to this. I said, my brother sat in my house and he listened and he listened and he got saved. He born again. And today he's preaching down the road right now. And he said, come with me, come with me. Hallelujah. And he's a full, actually that man, that his brother is a full-time staff member today in Frontline Church. Nick Harding is a friend of mine, pastor in Liverpool. It was a huge church. I haven't been there for years, but he had about 600 members. That guy got saved. Hallelujah. Why am I telling you this? Because I lost faith, not in salvation. I lost faith in me. And God wanted to restore my faith that I'm, I've called you, Mike. I'm going to remind you that I've called you. I've used you when you didn't even know I was using you. I've used you. And I want to say to you this morning, if you feel weak in your personal calling, I guarantee you that God has used you also. Used you in a multitude of ways that you may never know until you get to heaven. No, it's not just salvation. No, it's not just salvation. We can think and be deceived that we only need faith for salvation. That is not true. We need faith for life and for living in all manner of ways. And I will list, again, we'll send you PDF notes later. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me list a few of the things that you need faith for. Number one, we access the very presence of God by faith. You can't access it. In the book of Hebrews, it makes this very clear, right? With boldness, we go before the presence of God. It talks about the blood that brings us into his presence. But Hebrews is the book about faith. We access with boldness the presence of God with faith, not just salvation. Scripture number two. Scripture is very clear. We walk by faith on a daily basis, day after day. We can't keep going, put one front, one foot in front of the other. We need faith for that. Number three, you will be blessed according to your faith. And I mean here in this life, right now, today, you are a representation of the faith you're using. You are being blessed in accordance with your faith. And I don't only mean salvation. Let me say it again. Jesus said this, as you believe, that's how you're going to receive. So you are the living representation of the evidence of your faith. Oh, yes, you are. Faith can be seen. I can see your faith. I can see it. I can see it. It's loud and clear for everybody to read. You know, when Jesus walked into one town, it says this, when he saw their faith, faith can be seen. 
You can see the manifestation of people's faith. We will be blessed according to our faith, number three. Number four, we are protected by faith. You see people constantly getting shot down, getting attacked, in and out, you know, up and down, and that, that, that's a protection problem. But in the book of Ephesians, it's, it talks about the shield of faith. Shield of faith. So some people definitely have not employed that shield of faith. There's a weakness, there's a vulnerability. So no, faith is not just about salvation. Absolutely not. I enter his presence with faith. I walk with faith. I'm blessed according to my faith. I'm protected by faith. Number five, I stand by faith. Again, look back at the book of Ephesians. Same thing. When Paul finishes in Ephesians chapter 6, after having done all, we stand. We've got to stand our ground. Goodness knows that scripture has never been more important than it is today. We stand by faith. That's how we stand. In the face of all society and is throwing at us, we've got to stand in faith today. So scripture is clear. Number five, we stand by faith. Number six, you resist the devil by faith. We resist him by faith. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, no evil will I fear. That's faith. That's faith talking, faith declaring, faith speaking out. 1 John talks about this faith. This is the mystery that overcomes the world, even our faith. So we can't be overcomers. We can't be consistent in our walk. And for me, I, I, I won't remain in ministry. I remain in ministry by faith. I enter ministry by the faith that God has called me and he's going to equip me. But I need it to sustain my walk in ministry. That's what I've learned. It's a walk. It's a daily walk of faith. Number seven, we access God's power by faith. Power moves through us. We become conduits of his power only through faith. Jesus exemplified this all through his life. <coughs> Excuse me. Number eight. It is impossible to please God without faith. <laughs> it's getting pretty serious, isn't it? It's impossible to please God. You cannot please God without faith. Anything that is not done in faith, the scripture says, is sin. All that is not of faith is sin. Number nine, we need God's will. Right? Sorry, we need faith to carry out God's will, general. I'm just talking general, just everyday life and the Christian life. But number 10, we need God's will to carry out, uh, we, we need faith to carry out God's will personally, personally for us. And I want to challenge you, my first challenge today, because this is, I think it's a really important point. How can I put it? I pastored in Glasgow for 12 years, Glasgow City Centre, uh, several churches there some brilliant people who are still there today. And one guy, I won't mention his name, he's one of the most faithful members that you could ever imagine. He's still there. He's absolutely lovely. He's Mr. Faithful. He's in every meeting. He's tithing. He's, he's in the prayer meeting. He's in the evangelism. He's on the cleaning team. You know what I mean. He's like 
faithful. But you know what the problem with him is? He's got no faith. He's got no faith. And that guy has been talking to me for 20 years about how he's going to do this and do that and do this. He never does anything. But he's faithful. There's a big... Don't confuse faithfulness and faith. They're very different. Faithfulness is an attribute. Faithfulness is a gift of the Spirit. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Sorry. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness has got to do with your character. And that guy's got great character. He's got a great attribute of faithfulness. But that's not faith. Well, the two, the word faithfulness and faith are interchangeable very often in the Greek, and it's caused a lot of confusion over the years. And different Bible uh, translations choose different options. Sometimes they choose faithfulness, sometimes they choose faith. And that has caused a lot of debates and stuff. But when I think of that particular debate about the difference in faith and faithfulness, I always think of this guy. Faith is action, friend. It's action. It's action. It's when I'm going to go and do something. That's faith. That's faith. Faith without works is dead. And in your churches, no doubt, maybe some of you here today, maybe you are Mr. or Mrs. Faithful. That's not what this teaching is about. That's not it. And some people get so depressed over life, they wonder what's wrong with them. Praise God for your faithfulness. Praise God for your, you know, continuity and your commitment to the church. But that, my friend, is character. That is attributes. That is a fruit of the Spirit. And that's not faith as such an action. I hope you get that point because it's a very, very important point. So we need faith to carry out God's will personally, not just to be faithful in our church. Point 10. Number 11 You need faith to evangelize. (coughs) I was a full-time evangelist, but about three years I think I was full-time. I wasn't a very good evangelist. (laughs) I I love evangelism. I love evangelism. But back then, and I'm talking a long, long time ago, I was frustrated in that ministry because I'm preaching constantly the gospel, perhaps like some of you. But there was so little fruit in different cities. I was really struggling and and, and, and and frustrated with the fruit. I want to see salvation, Jesus. Nobody, I will serve you. I will preach. I want to see people saved. Why are they not getting saved? What's wrong? Is it me? Is the message wrong? Is the messenger wrong? And one day, feeling sad about the lack of fruit, I heard a story that changed my life. It was a testimony from a young evangelist who was expressing exactly my feelings. I loved it. He started giving this testimony. I was preaching. Nobody gets saved. I'm on the streets. Nobody gets saved. I go to the church. Nobody gets saved. I thought, yeah, yeah, that's me. (laughs) And that's where I was at, right? And he said he went to a crusade where there was this old guy, this old rickety guy, old man walking. He's the evangelist, right? And this guy starts to preach, everybody gets saved. The whole place comes forward and they're all gone. Saved. And the young guy is saying, what 
is happening. So he waits and he waits and he goes up to the old man and he says, I've had it. I want to know, I want to know why when you preach exactly the same thing, you're preaching exactly the same message. Everybody's getting saved. I'm preaching. Nobody's listening. What's the difference? Guess what the reply when the old man said? I believe. I believe. I believe in them. I believe they will respond. I believe in the goodness of God. I believe God's reaching out to save them. Boy, son, you're full of unbelief and you don't even know it. Your heart, you think they're not, you know, they're not good enough. Nobody's good enough. Nobody's good enough. Get that out of your heart and let the heart of Christ flow through you. What a cracking answer. <clears throat> and it kind of changed my perspective on me. That I, God, I began to pray for myself. Father, I'm supposed to be an evangelist. An evangelist who doesn't believe in salvation is not very good. An evangelist who doesn't have a massive belief in the grace and the glory and the, you know, the heart of God, not a very good evangelist. Would you give me a, a greater faith in me for your willingness to save souls? Put a greater faith in me like you've got for them. Help me to see them the way you see them. Change me and make me like that old man. Make me like that. Forgive me if it's judgmentalism or whatever it is within me. Forgive me for it and take it from me. And my life began to change. My ministry began to change. What changed? I guess it wasn't me preaching anymore. It wasn't my gospel anymore. You become a representative of another. <clears throat> you become a representative of the all-loving, ever-gracious God. And you every day remind yourself, if he can save me, he can save anybody and everybody. And that, it just communicates. Do you know... The Bible says Jesus was a friend of sinners. It means that whatever was, whatever was emanating from Jesus, whatever vibes was being, were being, you know, emitted, it was so attractive, so attractive that sinners couldn't get away from it. I want to get closer and closer. You know what? Because he believed in them. He believed in them. It was faith. It was Jesus' own faith exuding and catching them like a fisherman. He was bringing them in. And I pray, I pray, I continue to pray for myself. God, forgive me for unbelief. Let me not go out and preach this glorious gospel in unbelief. I don't want to preach in unbelief. I don't want to preach in doubt or judgment. I wasn't sent to judge. God didn't come into the world to judge the world or condemn the world. He came to save the world. I'm not here to judge people or condemn people. I'm here to lead people to Christ. And all of that, all of that religious junk, I had to get out of my system. All of this stuff was just piled up inside me because of my background or because of, you know, all sorts of manner of personality issues that we can have. When we come into ministry, we're body, soul, and spirit, right? And we come as that package, and it needs a lot of work. It's, it's. I'm, I'm a work in process today, but <coughs> I can look back and see some of these major moments in my life when I understood my own flaws more clearly, my own weaknesses, and my own failures more clearly, and it's just changed me. 
So we need faith, not just for salvation, to enter his presence, to walk our everyday lives, to receive blessing, to be protected, to resist the devil, to access his power. Nothing is impossible where faith comes into play. We need faith to carry out God's will, our calling. What we're co- We need faith to evangelize effectively. And we need faith to live in the end times. What a, oh Lord, what a day in which we live. And praise God for you guys committing in the kingdom and, and committing your lives to study God's word, etc. We need it and we need you in the kingdom. So do not faint, do not grow weary, persist and continue in what you're doing. And let's see God change Edinburgh, Glasgow, Perth, Inverness and all of Scotland. It's a beautiful country. I, 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 Scotland's in my heart and believe it's in your heart or you wouldn't be there. And let's work together to see that harvest come in. Number 12, we need faith to live in the end times. We need faith to live in the end times. Now, <coughs> excuse me. I've written several books, but I've written two books on end times. And we did television programs for many years on end times. We did uh, with the Inspiration Network in different uh, years over the years. So I'm, I'm not, not a stranger to teaching on end times and studying eschatology. It was a hobby as well as something we did as a church and did internationally. Now, I've been married twice. My first wife died and I've got remarried. But many years ago, I was in Glasgow, in Bears Den, where we used to live. And myself and, and my first wife were just in the room, right? Now, remember, I've been preaching end times for years. And I'm just standing and we're just praying together. When all of a sudden, bah, I tell you, I was frightened. Holy Spirit just came in that room and Jeanette looked at me and she knew I was afraid. She knew God was there. And all I said to her was, stand back. And she went against the wall and I said, don't say anything. Don't do, just shh, shh. <laughs> And God spoke to me. Said, Wonderful. Pick up your Bible. Read Ephesians chapter six. But this time, when you read it, I'm going to show you something that you've never seen. You see? So I got my Bible. I said, shh, don't say I've got to read it. So I started to read and I'm fa- I was fascinated. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day, the day of evil comes, that was it. Bible up in the air. <laughs> I got it. The day, the day. What? That, that's the word. So I just, I was electrified. What does the day mean? So, praise God for Google. <laughs> Google the day. What does the word day? Okay, concordance. Look in the Greek. Why is God saying that I don't understand the day? And as I researched the Greek here, do you know what this is? Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day 
of evil comes. What's this, a bad day? No, no. Is this a day in the past? No, no, it's not. Is this like a, 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 like an earthquake or no, 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 no. Do you know what this day, there's many words for day. I think about seven or eight different words for day. Do you know what this is? This word for day describes a collective evil day. It's the last days. So Paul here is saying, put on the full armor of God so that when the end times, when the day, you know, of evil comes, when this comes on the earth, you're going to need this armor to stand in those days because those are going to be some of the worst days that this planet will ever see. Do you get the point? I, I took that word and went many different countries and preached on this passage because I felt God commissioned me that day. Warn the end times church to get ready for the evil day, singular, collective, that will come upon the earth in the last days. To be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. To put on the full armor of God so that they will be able to stand in those last days. And to take up the shield of faith, which is our topic this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. So we need faith for all of these things. We need faith for all of our lives, not just for salvation. Absolutely not. No, sir. 13. You need faith to be a follower. You can't follow someone without faith. You're going to start doubting in your leaders, doubting in your disciples, your pastors. You need faith for that. Now, I've been in the same church for 28 years. In fact, the same people are my leaders now. <laughs> Can you believe that? My, the same people are my leaders now, as were my lead, with one exception, who died th three years ago. It's the same people. We're all, we've all been here a long time. And these guys have been instructing me, guiding me, correcting me, rebuking me, encouraging me. <laughs> Do you think it's possible to work for that length of time without faith? takes faith. You can never be a successful, I use that word advisedly, please understand me. You can never be a long-term leader or follower without faith. Countless times, countless times, the devil would be in my ear speaking to me, dissension about my leader, don't trust your leader. And in all of those occasions, I say, get behind me, Satan. My leader is my leader. They have my support. They're not perfect. They're not perfect. Neither am I. I'm not demanding perfection. I'm here to support. I'm here to serve. So you can be silent and I will do my job. Get out of my life. Many times. Guys, I don't know who of you are married and who's not. But in my experience, the devil wants to destroy my relationship with two people particularly. My spouse and my pastor, my leader. Everybody's got an overseer. Those two individuals, those two people, I need extra special loyalty. I'll give you a testimony just to give an illustration of this. One of my longest standing friends, I was assistant to him, assistant pastor for eight years. <coughs> and then he, he didn't retire. He moved on and I became the senior pastor. He gave me the church after he left in Ireland. His name's Peter Finch. Some of you may know him. Probably nobody ever 
blessed my life more than Peter. Peter's my, he's my, 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 my father, he's the same age as me, but he's like my father, my brother, my leader, my mentor. And we were out one day at a conference and Peter was driving me home and there was a guest in the back, a girl we didn't know very well. And as we're driving along, this girl, she was a naughty girl, I have to say. She leaned over the front of the car. This is what she said. Peter, now I'm sitting there. She said, Peter, why did you tell me the confidential thing that Pastor Mike told you? Wow. Can you hear the snake? <laughs> why did you break confidence when he told you that in confidence? So everything within me just jumped up, you know? And I, Peter, he's driving. <laughs> And I jumped, I started to speak. I said, please, 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 please. Peter, 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 please, please let me answer this. Let me answer this. He said, oh, okay. So I turned to that girl. Do you know what I said? Let me tell you something. I have been walking with this guy for a very long time. And I believe that he loves me. He has my best interest in heart. And if at any point... He felt it was in my best interest that he say this or do that to help me or defend me. I trust him. And if he has, he has my full trust and liberty to do as he chooses. So no, you will not come between us. Thank you very much. Today, that guy is still a friend of mine. My point is, when God gives you a leader, you need a leader. There's going to be people and snakes on your left and right who will try and divide you. She was literally between us. <laughs> They'll try and divide you from your leader because you need them for your future. Come on, guys. They'll try and divide husband from wife. And as pastors, some of you, I guess, are, are pastors, you'll be dealing with that kind of thing every day. Don't let it happen. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it at all. You need faith to be submissive. All rebellion, rebellion comes from a lack of faith. Rebellion comes from a lack of faith because people don't believe in the structure. I believe in the church, you see. I believe that God invented the church. I believe that God appoints all authorities in the church, just like the Bible says. There's no authority on earth apart from that which God has appointed. So when I rebel against the earthly authorities, I do not rebel against God. I, 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 against men, I rebel against God. That makes me really, it takes the stress away. Takes all the stress, and it takes my rebellion away. I don't need to rebel. I don't need to rebel about anything. I need to serve like David tried to do with Saul. No matter who that leader is, my job is to support them. In my marriage, I will not tolerate negative thoughts about my wife or my husband. Not tolerate that. It's got no place in my life. You need faith in marriage. Oh, yeah. You need faith in church to be c consistent and progressive in your ministry. I, I've worked with many churches and many leadership teams, and I can tell you rebellion has its root in unbelief. Rebellion has the root in unbelief. They don't have the faith in God's system. I believe in the system. 
excuse my term, but you know what I mean. I believe in God. I believe in his word. I believe he created the church and that just takes all the pressure off me. Hallelujah. And that, my last point in terms of the the aspects of faith apart from salvation, thus when I walk in faith, I walk in unity. And that's why I'm saying I've been with the same guys for nearly 30 years because of those, it's repentance and faith to be honest. We, we understand the need for faith in each other and faith in God. Let me, <clears throat> let me bring a side point here one moment. I've led prayer meetings. You know where I learned this lesson I'm about to make, this point I'm about to make? It was in Glasgow, funny enough. We used to have a very successful and powerful prayer meeting in, in um, Woodside over just off Sucky Hall Street. And as I led, many cultures came together in that thing. But as, particularly in that meeting, I remember I, I was the leader of the prayer meeting. But day after day, Friday after Friday, I would stand up and I would read out a list of prayer requests, right? So everybody would send in the prayer requests and I would read them out to the church. Listen to this. I would say, Mrs. So-and-so's just been diagnosed with cancer. Now, look what happens. Pastor, pastor, can I pray for that? Oh, okay. See, someone heard a prayer request and something in them jumped. Me, me. They've got faith. They've got faith. You see? And this, <laughs> this began to happen again and again. And then someone is in financial difficulty. And this guy over here, Pastor, Pastor, can I pray for this? Oh, you. And I began to notice how different people have faith for different things. And it's okay. Like look at Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn, particularly with cancers. You know, chronicalized cancers. Reinhard Bonnke with blindness. Different people have seen success in different areas. And I just find that fascinating. And I would encourage it. If God is causing you to be a specialist, if you like, if I can call that, or someone who has extra faith in this area or that, then then great. Also, do you know what this is? This is a great source of bringing us together as a church so that everybody in the prayer meeting is recognized as having a part and there's no superstars. No, this person can pray better than me or that person can pray better than her, whatever. There's no place for that, is there, within Christianity? That, and anyway, it's not true. So in, in the next prayer meeting, I don't mind if I have to pray for everything. If, if no one else is praying, I'll pray. But I like to leave it open and see where faith pops up. See who God has brought a person in their life through financial difficulties. Now they've got faith in that area. God has got brought someone through marriage difficulties. Now they're full of faith in that area. And just let the body of Christ do what the body of Christ is great at. Working together. Working as a unit the way God made us to be. This, practicing this, which is something I practice now. I learned it, as I say, in my time in Glasgow. It destroys pride. Remember when Jesus was pushing through the crowd? He was being touched on every side. 
And it says the woman with the issue of blood pushed through. Now remember, she's being touched on every side. She pushed through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? And here, and they said, Lord, everybody's touching you. We're all praying. Everybody's praying in the prayer meeting. Well, they all may have been touching the woman, but only one had faith, and that was Jesus Christ. And the virtue went out of him and healed her. My point is, there was one person with faith in that group, and in that time it was Jesus. And it could be, in your life or in, as you lead prayer meetings, be aware that there could be that one person in the room whose faith is activated on a specific point. Personally, I encourage that. Let's have faith in all matters, but I encourage the specialities because people have gone through the traumas and they have received comfort so that they, in turn, will comfort others. Let's recap what we've said so far. What we're talking about today is faith in God. I, I work with many, many, many African nations and we've been dealing with some witchcraft issues not long ago, actually, and some of that was in Scotland. I was asked to travel up to deal with witchcraft within a particular family, spell casting, curses, spells, all that sort of stuff. And as I sat with this family, it's not my church. The pastor invited me in to tidy up the situation. As I sat in that home, in that family, these people have been contacting witch doctors and ordering spells and stuff. So I sat, and I know one of them very well. So I was saying, what on earth got in your head? I know you. I know you for years. You've got faith, buddy. You've got faith. You're a man of faith. What on earth causes a man of faith to contact a witch doctor? What's this? Do you know what his reply was? Pastor, it's my history. It's my ancestry. It's my culture. And the problem in my culture, when we don't get what we want from God, there's a temptation to go back and try and get that thing another way, to try and access what I want. If what I want is not holy and godly, then I am tempted in my culture to go outside of the principles of God. So I said to him, don't, <laughs> don't put your faith in wicked things. Don't, don't. God will, do all things that are good will come to you. And if something's not good, God will block it for you. Today, we're talking about faith in God and in his word. And no matter what your background or your culture may be, keep your faith in God and in his word. That's where it should be. That's where it belongs. <coughs> in, uh, in a recap secondly what I'm saying today is at salvation I have already received faith every single one of you if you're born again the apostle Paul says we have all received the measure of faith now this is a controversial again it's another the which is controversial Andrew Womack is an excellent teacher I'm sure you know of him but he does many teachings on this he believes that every Christian has received the same measure of faith. But the difference is in how we use it. 
To each has been given, Paul says, the measure of faith. That's salvation. Now, he, he puts the gift of faith separately, right? It's an interesting thought. I'm not going to go into it today. But one thing for sure, if you're saved, you've got faith. You've got faith. And Jesus points that out with the mustard seed. And I believe we can take it from little to great to perfection for God's own faith moving through you. Thirdly, I recognize that in my life, God may gift me, bring me to a place of faith in some area specifically. Faith for blindness, faith for finances, faith for salvation or whatever. And I, I, I accept that. So, people will say to me, okay, how do I grow this faith? You're saying I can have little, great, and perfect at the same time. How do I grow my faith? Well, I would say, firstly, remember your past victories. All of us have had victories. Remember when David, who was mocked by his brothers, and he comes in and Goliath is there. You can imagine that. David, what a man of God he was. He was able to push aside the criticism of his brothers, the mockery of the crowd, the huge stature of Goliath. But look at how David summoned his faith. He sees Goliath and David says this, Your servant was serving his father's sheep when a lion came, remembering past victories. Your servant was tending sheep when a lion came and I dealt with that lion. There was a bear that came out of the forest. And I was able to deal with the bear. David immediately, when facing a trial that required faith, David immediately, he reflects, he remembers his previous victories. Every one of you have had victories. You've all had something in your past where you prayed and God answered, where you came out victorious. Write those things down. Like David, reflect upon them. Look, guys. If it worked before, it will work again. That's what David's saying. Last time I used my faith, there was a lion. We had victory. The time before that, there was a bear. We had victory. Whatever you did before, it's not rocket science. Do it again. Remember your past victories. Secondly, remember your past failures because you can learn from your failures. Remember Joseph's brothers were very wicked and they tried to kill him. But when they got the second bite of the cherry, when they got the second chance, when they came before Joseph, when he was the president, remember? They learned from their previous mistakes with Joseph and they didn't repeat their mistakes. They had no faith with Joseph. They tried to kill him and they sold him. But when it came to Benjamin, no, we're not going to make the same mistake again. We're going to trust God. We're going to act in faith and God will see us through. We increase our faith by remembering our past victories, but also remembering our past failures. We increase our faith by training ourselves not to rely on our emotions. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own emotions. Understanding. Don't let circumstances dictate and heavens above there can be enough circumstances around to scare the life out of us, right? The circumstances can so often deny God's word to you. And you have to have a mindset that rejects what I see with my eyes and honors the word of God. No, in Jesus' name, I'm standing my ground until I see the manifestation of God's promise to me. 
Don't let your emotions lead you. Don't let circumstances lead you. Keep hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. I will deal with this in the next session after the break. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the Word is you know, continuous present tense. We need to go on and on and on hearing that Word. That's what builds our faith. In conclusion, if, if, you, if you do have a pen and paper, then great. I want you to write down these final three things for you to do. This is an exercise, firstly. One exercise, one question, and one reflection. Firstly, the exercise. Write down little, great, and perfect. Little, great, and perfect. What have you got little faith in? Think of something. I can think of many. (laughs) What have you, what person have you got little faith in? What circumstance have you got little faith in? What have you got great faith for? There'd be something. And what have you got perfect faith for today? You're beli- you, nobody can talk you out of it. It doesn't matter what the circumstance say. doesn't matter if I'm on my own. You know that this thing is going to happen. You've got it. God has gifted you with that. He is the perfecter of your faith. So carry that out. Take that home and study it. Second is a question. The first is an exercise. Second is a question. When did you last use your faith? When did you last go to the gym? When did you last exercise your faith? Remember, Romans, each one who is saved, who who God brings salvation, receive the gift of faith. That's a bit like a pilot light and a gas geyser, you know? That's a little, you know, it's it's a reservoir within us, but it's not the active faith. Like those people in the hospital. Yes, they have a body, but it's a body that's never used. When can you say, I had to act in faith ABC? Think about that question and answer it if you can. And lastly is a reflection. A reflection that you could take home and maybe consider in your own time. Reflect on this point. What can I learn from my past victories? You've had victories. If we for- David didn't forget them. David didn't forget his victories and David was able to progress in successes. You need to remember and honor God for those victories in the past, but also your failures. Learn from them also like Joseph's brothers. And if we do all these things and operate in the full remit of faith, we end up in a prepared state ready for these last days. Father, I thank you for the faith you have deposited within us. I pray you to grow us as men and women of faith to change Glasgow, Scotland and the world in Jesus' name. May we receive and exercise our faith in all the ways that we've spoken about today. Bless us, Holy Spirit, nurture and protect these seeds within us. We ask in Jesus' name.